Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, My name is Myron Jellison. I am the next-gen pastor And we are literally just over the halfway point of our 40 days of prayer and fasting. We've been doing this thing called the 14 or the 714 Project. Uh, And it's an initiative that we've started to focus our attention as the church and as individuals of of asking God to provide, asking God to heal our land. We're praying for for our political leaders and the state of our country and our world. We're praying for each individual and that God would do something incredible and transformational in this time, and each each one of us, in our marriages and in our relationships and in our life. And then corporately together, we're praying that God would lead our church. He would show us uh, how how to grow our, our ministry, our effectiveness, to reach people with the gospel. And so we've been spending the last... 21 days, and we got 19 days left of this 714 project of 40 day prayer and fasting. And I just want to encourage any one of you who's been doing it and been consistent and been killing it, and you haven't missed a day, and you've been on your knees 714 praying, well done, keep going. Do not lose it. You, 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 you've been the halfway point. I don't know about you, but it feels like we've been doing this for a lot longer than just 21 days. And I'm hearing stories of what God's already been doing in people's lives, and I'm excited about the future just based on the 21 days that we've been doing, but we're only halfway there. So God's got more in store for us, so keep going, stay with it, and, and keep that self-discipline of, of, of participating in this. Now, I would just want to address those of us who maybe have missed a day or two, or maybe we've cheated a little bit on the fast, we ate something and we didn't realize it, and then we're like, well, I ate something there, so now I need something here. And I just want to encourage us that that's you, and I'm in that category. I'm, I've been behind a day or two, and I had to catch up. It's okay. Get caught up and let's restart and refocus and finish the second half of this better than we did the first half. And maybe you're brand new and you're like, Myron, I got no idea what you're talking about. You need to go back and listen to August 16th's message. It's the, it's the kickoff of this 714 project. You'll learn about what we're doing and you can get on board for the next 19 days and you can uh, participate for the second half of this and begin to pray with us and begin to fast with us and invite God in to heal our land and lead our church. And, and transform your life and, and engage in this prayer life that I really believe will be a super foundational and just a spiritual transformation that God wants to do in you in this journey. So let's go. We're halfway there. Let's get it. And we've been talking in this whole entire series, the 714 Project series, about prayer. And what is it? And today I want to talk about um, praying the long game, right? Praying the long game. What I mean by that is prayers that are generational, Prayers that are bigger than your life. Like pray prayers that are bigger than your life. And here's the, here's the tension point that we run into a lot of times is, is our culture is so microwave, instant, like instantaneous. We, our, our whole entire society has forced us and, and we have adapted as human beings and we want what we want when we want it right now. 
and we look at Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and we look at Grubhub and DoorDash and all these other instantaneous uh, uh, you know, options that are out there for us. Basically, if you have a username, a password, and a credit card, you can get whatever you want, whenever you want it, on demand right away. Amazon, one day shipping, two day shipping. It's incredible. You literally never have to leave your house. Like we, we just are so adapted and so conditioned as human beings to, to be so instantaneous. Like it's, we gotta have it, especially me, young people, people my age. Like we've, that's been our whole entire life. So when something doesn't go quite according to plan or it takes a little bit longer time, it's on a timeline that doesn't fit my want, I get frustrated and I wanna quit. Now, technology, FaceTime, Zoom and technology and all this stuff, Grubhub and DoorDash, has allowed us to be this instantaneous gratification culture, this microwave society. And what baffles me about it is there's still one business or one organization that is like still in the stone ages, and that's the DMV. I don't know about you, but I just, it just baffles me that we have so much technology. Amazon can ship me packages in two days. I can stream whatever content that I want. I can call up, FaceTime, Zoom, anybody I want, anytime, but I can't get a renewal on my registration like without taking six hours and then having the wrong paperwork and coming back the next day and I still sit in line forever? Like there's gotta be a way. Somebody needs to revolutionize that process and make it way more convenient for you and I because I dread going to the DMV. Now I thought I'd made it. I thought I figured out the solution. I started Googling online because my registration was out of date. So I started Googling, I was like, okay, uh, West Virginia DMV uh, online renewal registration. And boom, came up. I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. West Virginia is coming to the new age. I can now get my registration online via the website. I was like, beautiful, great. I'm going to bypass the line. It's going to take a couple of days. I'm going to get it. No hassle, whatever. I even did all the right work to get all my documentation. I got my personal property tax. I got my registration card with all my in, uh, information, insurance card. I even got the affidavit that I needed because we got the car halfway through 2019. So I didn't have to pay any taxes on it. So I needed the affidavit to prove that I had it without paying taxes. Anyhow, I had all the paperwork that I needed. Get on the DMV website, put all, in, put all my information in, go through it, all that, going great, beautiful. All the green check marks are lighting up. I'm like, beautiful, this is fantastic. Then I put my payment information in, I pay my registration, click the button, I'm like, bam, couple days, I got my sticker coming to me. So then I get the confirmation email and the confirmation on my order, and I start reading. And it says, it'll take three to five business days to process your request. I was like, okay, that's like 1990, three to five days, whatever. I can live with that. Okay, that's, that was like used to be standard shipping until Amazon came around and went one day. So anyhow, three to five business days. Cool, man. So then I started reading down a little bit further. And then I saw this. It said, it'll take 10 to 14 days for you to receive your sticker in the mail. And I started doing the math. I was like, well, three to five, 10 to 14. That's 13 to 19 days it's going to take for me to get my sticker. And you know what? Since it didn't match my timeline and expectation of getting my registration renewal sticker, since it didn't match my timeline or expectation, I wanted to quit, I wanted to cancel, and I wanted to drive down to the DMV and do it myself. And we, the same thing kind of happens in our prayer life to where it doesn't match our timeline. It wasn't instantaneous. I didn't receive my answer right away. And we have a tendency because we've been so conditioned by culture and society to get what we want when we want right when we want it, is that we won't persevere through it. We won't be patient in that. And we'll throw in the towel, we'll wanna to give up, we'll, want to, we'll be frustrated, we'll quit, and we want, we'll wanna go do it ourselves. And we do the same thing with God in our prayer time when the answer is unclear or it doesn't match our timeline and expectation. Here's the thing about prayer, is there's, there's three kind of answers in prayer. There's a yes, there's a no, and then there's a not yet. 
So the yes prayers are easy. We know that. We feel that. We experience that. God opens the door. Yes, he answered it. A no prayer is like, maybe we, sh- we, maybe we shouldn't buy that house. I'm just feeling like the answer is no on that house or that job. I feel like that's a no. Yeses and nos are black and white. They're easy. They're simple. They're good. We like those. The ones that we get frustrated with and want to quit and give up and, and go, what's going on, God, is the not yet answer. And that answer typically isn't like a God talking to me, revealing to me like, hey, not yet, man, just wait, not yet. It's more like silence where I hear nothing. And I'm like, God, what are we doing? Like, it's been a month. It's been a year. It's been 10 years. Like, you're still silent. Where are you? And in, those, in that silence from God, when we pray prayers, it's where we're tempted to quit, throw in the towel, and give up, just like I was with the DMV. I was ready to quit, even though it was going to take just a few more weeks, a week longer than what it would take for me to just to drive down. It didn't match my expectation or my want, and I was ready to quit. And we do that with prayer too. So today I want to talk about how we can persevere, how we can pray the long game, how we can be patient, even when God is silent, and know that He still hears it, and He's still uh, able to answer it, just not on our timeline, but on God's timeline. Now, Honing the Circle Maker, which is kind of the the devotional that Mark Batterson wrote, Draw the Circle book, is kind of based off of. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was out in the the desert and and it wasn't raining. They needed rain for their crops and the people. So he got in the sand and he drew a circle around himself and he said, God, I'm not leaving this circle until you make it rain. And so it did. It made it rain. And that's kind of what, that's kind of this idea that the whole uh, prayer journal is about, and the, 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 the prayer book draw the circles about. There's another story with Honey where he's walking down a road, and he comes across a young person planting a carob tree. Now, a carob tree, I have no idea what a carob is, but it's a tree that this guy was planting. Doesn't matter what kind of tree it was. But so he's planting this tree, and this tree took 70 years to produce fruit that you would be able to eat. And Honey looks at the young guy and says, "Hey, dude, um, do you plan on living 70 years?" Because you know you're not going to be able to eat of that fruit because, you, you know, it takes 70 years. And the young man looked at Honey and he said, well, when I got here, there were already carob trees. And I was able to eat the fruit because my father and my grandfather and my ancestors already planted these trees for me. So I am going to plant trees for my descendants, for my kids, for my grandkids, and all of my ancestors that will come after me. And I think that perspective needs to be with prayer that we would plant prayers that may take 70 years to get answered because they're on God's timeline. Like when we need to be able to pray prayers, prayers and plant prayers that may not be answered in your lifetime. They may outlast you. Even when you forget about it and one day you move on and you die and you're no longer able to utter that prayer with your mouth or with your heart that, man, Like that prayer could come to fruition and that promise could be kept and God would provide and the miracle or the breakthrough would happen, but it may not happen in your lifetime. So what kind of prayers will we plant in this season, in this 40-day challenge? And for the rest of our prayer life, what prayers will we plant that will be multi-generational, spanning, and, and they may just be answered after we are no longer here? This idea of planting a tree, it kind of comes to my, to my mind, and I can think about it this way too, is that I know that we have planted trees as memorials for individuals or, or things. Like, so to remember a loved one or honor a loved one, we'll plant a tree in their memory. 
And so when I think about that, the same way in which our prayers can be planted and be represented as a memorial to God, as a time in history, in your history, in your lifespan, a time in the Vineyard Church's history that we can all look back to as a memorial, as a reminder of what God was up to, what God was doing, what He was providing, prayers that were planted that would one day blossom and be answered. We can look back at this and and offer up our prayers as a memorial. And this concept is captured in Acts 10 with a guy named Cornelius. Let me read it for you. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Notice that. He gave generously to those in need. He was a devout man, him and his family, serving God. And then he prayed to God regularly. Prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He directly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. Pretty typical response when you see an angel. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor, your prayers have come up as a memorial offering to God. So for you and I, This 40-day period, the 714 initiative, the 714 project that we're doing, we can make it a memorial of prayers that we have lifted to God. And this is why we are writing it down in our journal. Because we can look back 10 years from now, look back, flip through it, read about what we were struggling and and persevering through and the heartache that we were experiencing and asking God to provide. And we can look, look, look back 10 years from now and say, man, God answered that. God answered that. God answered that. God came through. And this would be a memorial, a time in which we could remember and reflect and be reminded of who God is, what He was up to, and what He was doing with you in your life and corporately with the Vineyard Church. And here's the thing about this, this the idea of a memorial. Even if we forget these prayers, God will never forget them. He will never forget them. So, so commit to continue praying the rest of this time and for the rest of your life and your prayer life that you will cast them up as a memorial, an opportunity to look back and be reminded and just know long after you're gone, your prayers are still being answered. God still hears them even when you can't utter them anymore because you're not living on this earth. Your prayers will never be forgotten by God. Have you ever considered this, this idea of generational prayers or memorial prayers or prayers that, that will last longer than your lifetime? You ever thought about this? You ever thought about how like people that have came before you were praying and then you meeting Jesus was an answer to their prayer. They'd been praying for you to meet Jesus, to get to turn your life around, to have your life flipped upside down for the betterment through Jesus Christ. Like they'd been praying for you to find a church and now you're here listening and tuning in and you found a church and you found a family. That is an answer to someone's prayer who has come before you. Think about your grandma for a minute. I know we all probably got a grandma that's been praying for us for our entire life that we would get into church, that we would straighten up, that we would be a better person. And you coming and finding Jesus and, and, and participating in church and finding your home here is an answer to your grandma's prayer. Have you ever thought about how ever since the beginning of this church, the inception of the Vineyard Church, there have been people who have been praying that, that, that the gospel of Jesus would reach people. And you coming and finding Christ is an answer to their prayers as they planted and started this church. Even today, God's answering those prayers. 
even from the, the beginning of the church and, and even to this day, we always pray for financial provisions that God would provide financially to this church so that we could keep doing ministry and reaching people and serving our community. And every time you give or tithe, you are answering the prayers of those who have prayed those prayers before you. You know, Jesus says that the, the harvest is ripe, but the workers refuse. So pray for workers. The church, this staff and the staff prior and, and the people in this church ever since the beginning of this church, I know have been praying for more workers, more leaders, more volunteers to be able to expand our ministry and outreach. And when you self, uh, self-sacrifice your time, talents, efforts and abilities to serve on one of our ministry teams, you are an answer to someone's prayer who came before you. You see, this idea of praying the long game and embracing that it may take a while Let's face it, you took a while to probably come and meet Jesus, to get involved in serving on a team, to open up generously and give. Like, it took a while. So we need to pray that a time span in God's timeline would happen, and we would pray these generational prayers. We would pray these big prayers that may span over top of our lifetime. And when we pray this way, we get off of our timeline and we get on God's timeline. We get out of the instantaneous gratification, microwave culture, society, the way in which we've been conditioned to live and expect things, and we get on God's timing because God's timing has been slow and steady and somewhat silent. I mean, you look through the Bible, you can see this theme, and two of them that really pop out to me is the 400-year silence period. Like there was 400 years where God did not speak to a prophet. He didn't reveal himself to anybody. Like he literally was completely silent on his people. And you know what? You can read and historically and see that they were still prayer. There was still prayer happening. They were still praying to God, asking for him, inviting him in, asking him to speak and provide. They were still praying even though he was silent and not responding for 400 years. Another example is uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are the parents of John the Baptist. They were unable to conceive for a long time. And they kept praying and kept praying and kept praying and kept praying and wanting a child. And finally, they were blessed with John the Baptist, who was the final prophet who, the, who would then pave the way for Jesus. And it's like God's timing had to be so perfect because if John wasn't born at the right time, then he wouldn't be able to pave the way for Jesus, who was born right after him. Like it's just beautiful and perfect when we see in the silence, God's still moving, He's still working, He's still hearing your prayers. You've got to hang in there and get off of your timeline and get on God's timeline. So pray prayers that are bigger than your lifetime, that they may not ever be answered, that we would plant trees or we would plant prayer like, like the carob tree that would produce fruit 70 years from now. Pray those kind of prayers and ask for the provision and blessing and protection of the next generation. I think about last week how Chris talked about circling our schools. That's an incredible way to pray a generational prayer. Like your kids will be in the education uh, system for only a short time, but you can keep on praying for the kids in that system that, that, that God would be able to show up and reveal himself to the kids and they'd be instructed in the correct way and brought up in the right ways and the education system would be uh, incredible. Not just when your child is there, but for the rest of the next generation coming up through. So if you've been circling the schools in prayer, keep doing that. Keep lifting it up. That's a generational prayer, prayer that can be bigger and outside of your lifetime. And speaking of praying for kids... Man, like, we got to be praying for our kids. If you have kids, you need to be praying for your kids. There's one friend of mine who, who says that every day 
she prays a prayer that, God, give my kids your perspective. In the world that's gone crazy, and I mean like BSC crazy, like crazy crazy, like it's cray cray out there, like we need God to show our young people, the young minds, his perspective, his view on humanity, how we should love God and love others. And we need to pray those kind of prayers over our kids and over each, every, every, everyone's kids together, over the young ones, the young minds. Barry Bowman, he used to be a pastor here and he retired. So kudos to you, Barry, for retiring. Hope it's going well. But Barry used to be on the church staff here with us and, and while, I was, while I was here as well. And uh, I was in his office one day and we were just talking, catching up. And, and my wife, Emily, was pregnant with our now three-year-old, Avalon. So it'd be like three and a half, four years ago. He, uh, he said to me something that was profound. Even before my child was born and we knew it was a girl, Barry looked at me and said, you need to be praying for a husband for her. Like, pray for your future kid's spouse, even before they're born, and all the way through their entire life. And I'm like, Barry, that's crazy. Like, she ain't getting married for like 30 years or longer. Like, I ain't pretty doing that, man. Like, it's a long ways away. But it'll be here before I know it. And I know one day I'm going to have to give her away. God has entrusted her to me for a short number of years. And then she will be united to a man, and, and they will build a family, and it'll be beautiful. And I should be praying that God brings, them, brings her together with a man who loves God, a man after God's own heart, and would love and serve my girl, my baby girl well. Pray for your kid's future spouse. The, and, 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 and you know what the biggest prayer is I pray over my two kiddos? Is that uh, it's not that they would get a great education education, get a great job, make a lot of money, be super successful, maybe be super athletic, although I like that prayer because I'm a, I'm a sport nut, nut and I love sports, but that's not my main prayer for them. My main prayer is that they would know and love Jesus Christ. They would know and love Jesus, their Savior, above everything else. And I pray that every single day, not about grades, not about accolades, not about success, not about fame, not about money, not about whatever, but about being a follower of Jesus. And then everything else kind of comes secondary to that. Pray for our kids. Pray for other people to meet Jesus, just like I pray for my kids to meet Jesus. And you know what? There's some of us listening today that your kids might not know Jesus. And you've been praying for them ever since they were born, and you need to keep praying. Even though you, 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 like, you just can't know and can't be certain, you don't know if they will find Jesus, keep praying praying that prayer. God hears you. He is at work and you may die and you may never get to see the fruit and the answer to that prayer, but that doesn't mean you should stop praying. Even though God is silent and you haven't seen the result, keep on praying for your kids to meet Jesus. I know there was a, a couple that I know of who uh, the, the wife is a believer and the husband is not a believer and she has been praying every single day for her husband to meet Jesus. And I don't know how many years they've been married. It's been a long time. And she may go her entire life, their entire marriage, and she may die first and not see the fruit of her prayer of her husband coming to know Jesus. But she's going to be faithful in praying that bold uh, prayer memorial that will outlast her lifetime. Don't give up. Just because God is silent doesn't mean the answer is no. And just because God is silent does not mean He is not working in the background. Think about this. There are opportunity after opportunity after opportunity of God designing conversations and encounters that you've been praying for. You might not be able to see it. 
There might be coworkers coming into your relative's life that are planting seeds of Jesus, but you just don't know about it because you don't get to see it. It may be happening. Have faith and hold on to the hope that God is working even if it feels silent and He's not answering your prayer. You know, the people who've prayed for us and that we are the answers to their prayers, maybe a generation later, like our grandma, like we are answers to our grandma's prayer because we're following Jesus and living a good life. And you know, think about that. The people who've been praying for us are people who've prayed selfless prayers. Not about them. They've removed themselves as the center. And I just want to read Philippians 2 and tie this to our prayer life. It says this, Philippians 2 verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing. That means prayer. That includes prayer. Don't pray selfish prayers. Don't pray prayers out of vain conceit, looking to get, 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 and using God as a magic eight ball of like, hey, I want a new house. Bam, give me a new house. Yes, it shall be done. No, that's not how it works. Do not pray, excuse me, selfish prayers or vain conceited prayers, but rather in humility, Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you the interest of the others. It says with humility. You know what the Second Chronicles 7.14 says? If my people will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal their land. If we humble ourselves, we realize it's not about you. The world does not revolve around you. And your prayer life should not revolve solely around you. Yes, you should pray for yourself. There's intimacy in that, having that conversation with God, but that cannot be solely your prayer life. Pray for others. Consider their afflictions, their pains, their hurts, their ailments, their illnesses, their circumstances as more important, as you're more valuable than yours and lift them up in prayer. Get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on others. That's exactly what Jesus would do. That's what he modeled for us. So let that be reflective in our prayer life. And my question to you is, do you have people in your circle, in your life, in your crew that are lifting you up in prayer and you're lifting them up in prayer, right? Other Christians that you can rely on, even if you don't even have to talk about it and and like, hey man, pray for me. You just know that they're always praying for you. They're lifting you up all the time. Do you have those people? Do you have those friends? And if you don't, you need some new friends, And I'm not saying get rid of your old friends or maybe you need to. You need to discern that and pray about that. But you need to find some new people that you know have got your back and that will help pray with you and lift your afflictions and lift your pain and lift your struggles and your miracle and your breakthrough that you're crying out to God for. They can lift it up with you. Find those people. And it says this in James 5.16, why it's so so important. It says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it is working. Okay, confess your sins to one another. Talk to other ones, other people that you trust, not the whole world, people that you trust that you know are Jesus followers that won't judge you and that will love you and accept you and build you up. Confess your sin. Talk about your baggage. Talk about the things that are going on, the hard things in your life. The inability to conceive, the cancer, the family, uh, the family division and strife and relationships. Like, let, that, let some people in so they can pray for you because the prayer of that righteous person is working. It is working. That prayer is powerful and it is working on your behalf. You need people in your life who have bigger faith than you that are praying for you. You need people in your life who got bigger faith than you that are praying for you and covering you in prayer. And I want to just, I want to tell you a quick little story that I find in Luke 5, I think illustrates this entire point. It says this in Luke 5, 19 through 20. 
I'm going to just summarize real quick to set it up. There was a guy who was crippled from, we, I believe, from, from birth. He's been crippled his entire life. He's been laying on a mat or on a bed forever. He's never been able to get up. And, uh, and so what a miserable life. But he's got some friends that love him, some friends that believe that he can be healed, and they know that Jesus can heal him. So you know what they do? They grab their buddy, they pick him up, they carry him on their mat, and they're going to go where Jesus is. And Jesus is in this house, and there's tons of people surrounding the house and in the house, and they can't get to Jesus because there's too many people. And this is what it says in Luke 5. But they could not find a way to take him into the house where Jesus was because of so many people. They couldn't find a way in. And I'm sure his friends, four of them, this is how I envision it, four of them, picking up each corner, walking to the house, checking the front door, can't get in. Going over here to the side door, can't get in. Checking every window, can't get in. They're exhausting every option they possibly can. Their faith is crazy big. That if they can just get to Jesus, this man, their friend, their buddy would be healed. You know what they do? It says this, they made a hole in the roof. They climb up on the roof destroy personal property and make a hole. I'm not, I'm not condoning. I'm not saying that's good. We shouldn't do that. But they had crazy faith to tear a hole in the roof and, and they lowered him down. They let, then they let the bed with the sick man onto it down before Jesus. They lowered him down through the roof in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, meaning the four friends lowering him down, he said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then it goes on to say that Jesus touched him healed him, he got up, and he walked out, and everybody was amazed. You know what's incredible about this story? The faith of four friends were persistent enough, even when option one, front door, option two, windows, option three, back door, when nothing else seemed to be working, there was no answer, it was silent, they couldn't get to Jesus, they did whatever it took, they kept trying, they kept trying, and because of their faith, these four friends' faith, this man was able to have an encounter with Jesus to where his life was radically transformed. He found salvation and he also found physical healing because these four friends provided an opportunity for them to see Jesus. And I think this is illustrated in our prayer life. Think about this for a minute. These four friends on top of the roof weren't able to be seen. They were kind of behind the scenes. I could just envision a hole in the ceiling. If I'm in there holding the ceiling, this mat and this bed just comes floating down through. There's four guys holding four ropes on each corner. You can't see them, but they are the ones elevating this prayer, elevating this prayer by faith that Jesus would heal, that Jesus would meet this man, give him salvation because he would, he would believe and, and have his sins forgiven, and then his physical ailment would be healed as well. They just knew they could get him in front of Jesus. His life would be different. And because of those four friends' faith and consistency, and they're persistent. They were so persistent in this, never letting down. This man was able to be transformed. So do you have four friends like that, that are lifting you up, taking your struggles, your pain, your hurts, needing the miracle, the breakthrough that you've been praying for? Do you have people in your life elevating those prayers with you, lifting those up, praying big faith prayers? Do you have friends who got bigger faith than you? that are pushing you in the right direction, to hold on, to not quit when it doesn't match your timeline, to not give up when, when it's silent and there's no answer and you're frustrated and you just want to quit. And then I'll ask you, are you one of the four friends? Are you praying for people like this? Are you? 
Are you willing to be a small part of somebody's story behind the scenes? Don't need the credit. You just are going to pray like crazy with relentless faith that the breakthrough and miracle is going to happen. And not, maybe not in the next year, next, not the next 10 years, maybe not in your lifetime, but you got that kind of faith praying these big, bold, generational prayers. Will you do that for somebody? We value community around here. We value groups. Do you have a group? Do you have a community of people who can do that for you? And I just want to close with a story about my buddy, Dalton. And uh, Dalton and Morgan are a couple, friend of ours. They got a little boy as well. He's right in, the, right, in between the, my, the, right in between the age of my two kids. And I went to high school with both of them. And I knew both of them from high school, but really wasn't friends, you know, close friends. And I worked with Dalton actually at a summer job. Uh, and so we kind of started to be friends there. And, and then they come to church here, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and, and they come to church here, and we, we rekindle, we reconnect, and it's been incredible. It's been such a good friendship. And so we're getting to know them. We're hanging out, having dinner and play dates and all that stuff, and going over to those houses and whatnot. And as I get to know them, I realize that Dalton is working two jobs to try to provide financially. And I could see that there is a thorn in their marriage and in their family because he just wasn't as available as he could be because he had to work weekends at this second job. And so I knew that it wasn't beneficial for them, and I knew it was because finances. So I began to pray that Dalton would quit his job. Dalton's quit his job. You're probably thinking, wow, what an insensitive friend that you would pray that somebody would lose their job. You know, like, okay, yeah, but here, with, stick with me. Well, first I started praying that Dalton would get fired. Then I was like, that's probably bad blood, not good to do that at a business or an organization. So then I started to pray and shift my prayer that, that he would quit his job to free up his schedule, to be home more, to be able to invest in his marriage, to invest in his family and be there. That work wasn't the be all end all. And I also prayed along with that, that God would provide financially for them so that when he would quit, they, they wouldn't hurt, they wouldn't lack. And so I prayed that prayer for a long time. I don't know exactly how long I was praying that prayer, and I didn't tell them. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my wife even. Emily, I was just praying that prayer. And then one day I called Dalton. I think we're going to get together that night. And I called him up, say, hey, man, what's going on? What's the details? What time you want us to come over or whatnot? I was like, so what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm headed to my, my you know, weekend job and about to quit. I was like, oh, wow, no way. It's crazy. So we go over to their house later that night, and I finally end up telling them, I'm like, hey, Dalton Morgan, like, uh, I, I've been praying for a while that you guys would, that Dalton, that you would quit your job. And they were blown away. They were like, really? Like you would, you were praying that we would lose income? And I'm like, yeah, because I knew that this wasn't good for your marriage and for your family and that Dalton needed more time at home and work wasn't the be all end all. And I was praying that you would quit and you did. But I was also praying that he would provide financially. And what happened is Dalton, immediately after he quit his job, was able to start a woodworking business that is making just as much, if not more money than what he was making working that other job. And now he's got flexibility in his schedule and his family dynamic is better because of it. Now, I'm not saying I'm the hero in the story. I was a small part behind the scenes. Don't need recognition. I'm just telling you that prayer about your friends and what they're going through, as radical as of, of it as it might be to pray that somebody quits their job. Do you have friends like that lifting you up and pray for you. Are you praying for other people to meet Jesus? 
it may take your entire life and you may never see it? Are you praying for your friends for their breakthrough and their provisions that may never happen in your lifetime? Are you praying for provision and blessing of the next generation for your kids and, and, and your grandkids and the next generation that's coming up behind us? Are you praying for the racial tension that exists that it may take decades or even you know, 20, 30, 40 years to reconcile the damage that's been done? We don't know, but pray a prayer that, that'll be outside of your life or outside of your timeline that God would do that for the next generation. Pray for the political corruption to be, you know, uh, you know, noticed and dealt with and cleansed and purged and all that. It may not happen in our lifetime, but man, for our kids, it'll happen maybe, hopefully. Pray that, pray that a world would come back to fearing God and we would be able to instill a Christian worldview again so that our kids can grow up in a better world. Pray for economic opportunity and rebounding after a coronavirus so that our kids are going to be able to have plenty and financial security. Pray, pray against preventative health. You know, pray for preventative health measures for your kids in the next generation. You know, if you're unable to conceive, pray that that would never happen for somebody else outside of your lifetime. Cancer, that it would stop and not spread through the, through the DNA because it's hereditary through our family line. Pray that it would stop with the next generation. If it's an autoimmune disease, pray against that, that it would stop and begin to pray prayers that you may never see the answer to in this lifetime. Pray prayers that are bigger than your life. And when we do that, we get off of our timeline and we get on the God's timeline. And do we have a circle of people that are lifting up our prayers with us? Because when we do that and we live in community and we surround and cover one another in prayer, it is powerful and it is effective. But just know that God's timing is not our timing. And don't let our culture of instantaneousness force us to get frustrated and mad when the answer is not yet. Silence. Keep, keep praying. Now, if you need prayer and, and, and you're struggling and you need people lifting, lifting you up, let us know. You can text the word CONNECT to our number uh, and make sure you check mark the box there that you want somebody to reach out to you and we'll reach out and we'll pray with you and we'll support you and we'll lift you up and your afflictions as well. Let's pray big prayers, generational prayers. Let's plant prayers. Keep the journal. So we can look back as this memorial, time to be reminded of what God was up to and the prayers that he may answer way down, way down the line in the future. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us see your timeline. God, that we would, live out, we would get outside of ourselves and our prayer. We would not be selfish, but we would be selfless, seeking others and putting others' needs and prayers before our own even. And that we would lift them to you and you would show up and you would answer and you would meet us. And Father, that you would allow us to just keep in perspective what you're up to. Even when you're silent, you're working. Even when, even when we forget our prayers, you don't forget our prayers. And God, that we are answers to people's prayers who've come before us. And that we would pray prayers that people would answer later on that we may never get to see. Help us think big picture like you. Have your perspective and get off of our timeline and onto your timeline. And help us find people that can surround us and circle us. Friends, community that will lift us up together. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.